0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: And we've got another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now. Officially, this one will go down as episode number 190. You could jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution in a number of ways. At Casey Stern on Twitter, jump in the bio Get on the YouTube channel, of course, where most of you are, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast delights. Delightful indeed, as I welcome in... My guest on today's show, longtime GM at the Major League level, one of the best analysts in the game, and a friend. You can find him every morning, Monday through Friday, on MLB Network Radio hosting the leadoff spot, insider for TSN, and his face with very little makeup, I'm sure, on MLB Network plenty as well. Hello, Stevie (laughs) Franchise,
0: as I've called him for years, Steve Phillips. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Kate. Good to be with you. Hope you're well. And yeah, it's been, uh, been a fun baseball season so far.
1: Yeah, we're, we're keeping busy, and obviously the GMs never get any sleep. So I want to do a number of things, but I want to make sure that our sponsors get sleep. So let me quickly thank Bet Online, our number one source for your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Latest odds and lines, latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. They are your sports intel headquarters this season. They got you covered for all your wagering needs, basketball, hockey, MLB, UFC, and boxing. Fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, betting options, odds, casino and card games, all available right now. From your home. So get in the action today. Head over to the website, use your mobile device and join, and use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B L E A V. Receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. It's bet online where the game starts. And I want to get started here where nobody's getting started, just specifically to make a point of how under the radar nationally this is going. I know batting average is not everything, it's still a thing. To watch what Luis Arias is doing, Now, three times with five hits, five for five performances, which, look, franchises only have a couple of those, and this is not something you see often in a season, hitting 400 this deep of the way. Why isn't this, and how much more attention should this be getting than it is, Steve?
0: Well, I think it should get a lot of attention. You know, I mean, he's hitting 400 now. He had dropped down to 387. He had taken an 0 for 15, and then he's had uh, five hits in two of the last three games, so he's got himself right back up to 400, and it's unbelievable what this guy does. And you know, it's funny. You know, you look at some of the, the you know the analytics of what Luis Ariz does. His barrel percentage is two percent. He doesn't barrel the ball at all. His exit velocity is among the worst in baseball. I mean, he doesn't his he doesn't drive the ball. He hits it just at the right speed and velocity to get it over the infield and in front of the outfield. You know, Tony Gwynn like. And it's funny. You know, you look at Tony Gwynn's numbers for the first 450 games of his career and compare him to Arise, they're very similar. You know, neither guy had great power. Neither uh, Gwyn had speed early on in his career. Arise doesn't have any speed either. He's he's like 39th percentile in speed. He's just a guy that can hit. And he also, he he chases out of the zone. But he's a good bad ball hitter and he never swings and misses. And so he's taking pitches six, inch, six inches off the ground and just punching him in the left field for a base hit. It's a great story on a team that's 10, 11 games over 500 right now. And they're in the wild card mix is the second wild card team. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: I was just, as I swear, as you mentioned, Tony Gwynn, it's exactly what I was thinking of how much the late Tony Gwynn would have admired the way this guy hits. And I used to say when watching Tony, who was my favorite non-met growing up, Steve, that he used to have like a magic wand when he go through that 5.5 hole and he just slapped the ball wherever you always thought, okay, but he probably could hit for more power, but he's not, he's just trying to do what the situation calls for. And we don't give that much credit to that now, but to your point, he's doing it on a team that's winning. And I want to get into that because, you know, we saw Votto yesterday with the Reds nine straight. You look at the Marlins, the Diamondbacks. Those are just three, just to name some teams that we think are kind of outkicking their coverage based on what the beginning of the season said. As a general manager, I want to ask you about what you think they'll do, but I want to put you in the shoes first. If you're the GM of those kind of teams, what are you trying to do with the owner, and are you trying to convince them to push maybe more of a pedal than you thought initially a couple of months ago before the season began?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. I think that all those teams are a little bit different. So, for instance, the Reds, I think the owner might want to go, you know, he doesn't look, he doesn't like to spend money to begin with. We know that, but the owner might be like, we need to go, go, go. And kind of like what Baltimore did last year, where they just, I mean, they, they, they sold and they bought a little bit at the deadline because they just wanted to stick to the plan. They didn't want to get over aggressive just because they were, it was happening a year too soon. I could see Cincinnati Playing it a little bit cool right now. I mean, listen, they're, you know, 38 and 35. They're, you know, they're three games over 500. So we're not talking about the running away things, but I love them. Uh, but I don't know that they need to get crazy right now at the deadline where you got young kids believing in themselves, anyways, kind of like Baltimore last year. Arizona, I'm going for it because you're in a division with the Dodgers. The Dodgers were willing to take a half step back this year. They're not going to next year. So you better get this opportunity. You don't always get these shots at it. The central divisions, If you've got a good team, you're going to be in it every year right now. But in the West, for Arizona, I mean, this is a year where the Dodgers now in third place in the division. They fall behind the Giants. uh, And, you know, I think that that it's not going to be that way next year. They're going to spend. They're going to go after Otani. They're going to go after this guy and that guy. Arizona's got to go for it this year because you're not guaranteed next year. And you've got two pitchers at the front of the rotation. You don't need to get an ace. You get a solid number three starter behind Gallon and Merrill Kelly you're you got a pretty good chance to run in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you know, Steve, you, you mentioned the Central, and, and I want to. There are a lot of disappointing teams, and and a lot of stories, and I want to bounce around and hit some of them, and and you know, kind of GM lens how you're handling it on the other side. But to me, if you're a fan, the Cardinals have to be the most disappointing team. If you're a fan of that team, that's a different experience because to your point, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a fan at you know the greatest fans, at quote unquote, right. You're 13 under 500 in that division. Now, if you're in last place and you're in the AL East and you're saying, Hey, look, we couldn't compete with those teams anyway. It's a little more palatable. I think if you're a fan, probably even in the front office, how do you try and put a finger on the Cardinals going the wrong way instead of showing us the Cardinal way here in 2023?
0: I mean, here's the thing. Much of the team's the same team from a year ago. I mean, no Pujols, no Yadi or Molina, and those are not insignificant. But, you know, I mean, Goldsmith was the MVP. Arenado was runner-up or, you know, was a, was in the mix for MVP early in the season. Uh, and so that has been a complete and utter collapse. Uh, and I personally probably would have at least been having internal conversations about a managerial change there. Because I like I, – Oliver Marwell did a nice job last year. Tough to manage Molina in his last year pools in his last year. Uh, and so – but – you know the Tyler O'Neill thing early in the season, how they handled Jordan Walker. Uh, you know the issues with Contreras that they were going to bench him, then they were going to play him in the outfield. That he's not going to be in the outfield. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that just felt mismanaged a little bit. Uh, I, I think, and he doesn't have the pedigree of some of the other managers. Like the Mets are struggling, but you're not let Buck show Walter go. It's no. not, you know, in, 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 don't in tell Chicago that to the with,
1: fans. Uh, right, but yes, right. And I in I Chicago
0: with yes. the White Sox. I mean, Pedro Gaffold just got the job. And so I think there's a problem with the chemistry of the players, not really a manager thing. This is one that I, I it seems like there are a lot of missteps that I would have considered a change. Maybe after the consideration, we would have said no. But maybe we would have said yes, because I think that that's still still. I think that this is the vision that they can get back into. There's enough talent there. But they need that punch in the gut or the slap in the face that you sometimes get when there's a change happening. You ultimately take some responsibility for it and guys start to play. I still think St. Louis, because this there's it is by far the most significant underperformance of any team in baseball.
1: Yeah, and it, just to your point, dysfunction, whether it's a baseball team, a company, doesn't matter, usually has something to do with leadership when it's to that level. You mentioned the Walker situation, how they handle Wilson Contreras, and it's like I don't care – how he's struggling, I'm surprised at just how well he handled all of that better than probably I would have. It's not like, how could you think he's Yachty or Molina when you watch the guy as much, wouldn't anybody outside of the case? Ridiculous, right? The whole thing. You mentioned the Mets. Let me shift there for a second because you mentioned Buck Showalter. I've been on this for the last couple of weeks. Last night, as we sit here and do this on a Tuesday, is a great example. When Max Scherzer pitches the way he's supposed to pitch and capable of pitching, then nobody's going to say anything about Buck Showalter. But Buck didn't blow a 5-1 lead against the Yankees. Buck didn't give up seven runs against the Padres at the end of last year. We saw Scherzer and Verlander in that subway series as an example. How much of this is just the Mets putting too much from a front office perspective, Steve, on two guys that age? I mean, how much is that the wart that's showing more than anything else? I know that Diaz injury. I know Lindor driven a lot of runs, but has not put up the other numbers people want. And Vogel back in the lineup, and people are upset about that. But if you had a kind of power rank, does this come down more than anything to putting too much into two horses that are just too old at this point?
0: Yeah, I think, I think in some ways, yes. Uh, although, you know, they're not hitting either. Uh, and Canna, who was good last year, hasn't hit. He had a little spurt, was okay. Starling Marte hasn't been as good this year as he was last year, coming off the, the, the abdominal surgery he had in the offseason. McNeil's not been as good this year. Alonzo being out for a period of time. You know, Lindor not been as good so far this year. So they've had a lot of guys underperform this season. I mean, this is the same team that won 101 games last year. And remember, Verlander effectively is replacing DeGrom. DeGrom didn't pitch last year for much. I mean, he certainly wasn't pitching at this point last year. So, you know, Scherzer certainly is underperformed. Much better yesterday. A slider was much more effective uh, in, in the game on, on Monday. So, you know, there's there's maybe they'll get back on track. You know, I look at I call them Scherlander, you know, Scherzer and Verlander, Scherlander. Uh, that those two guys need to go. I and, like how you went Benifer, Like, Yeah, uh, I, like I did. Like I like how you put those know, into a gossip yeah, call. Yeah, thanks very much. I'm all about pop yeah, culture. Like yeah, I like
1: what you did. That. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. People don't know. My God.
0: Yeah, yeah. so, I, so I, when I say that I'm really all about pop culture, I mean I'm completely not about
1: yeah, pop uh, yeah, Yeah, for those yeah. who don't know, uh, yes. it, 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 Steve is, is not the guy you want to ask who's going to be up for the Grammys this coming yes. year. Yeah,
0: no, you do not want to ask me that. Uh, uh, and so, or the Academy Awards either, any of those. So, uh, you know, the the baseball awards, I might have some sense of that, but, but, you know, the, the, so those two guys need to go. Uh, but you know, when you have 80% of your starting pitching on the injured list at some point. That's a problem for any team. And, and you know, no matter what team. Even the Braves. You now, the Braves have overcome it pretty good with a lot of their young guys. But it's because their offense builds margin for error to protect the pitching. The Mets don't do that. And so, you know, the Mets are about scoring enough runs for their pitching. Not a lot of runs to protect their pitching. And they don't give margin for error. Now, I mean, even with the the, the Edwin Diaz injury, that hasn't really hurt the Mets that much. I mean, Robertson's been fantastic and the bullpen at times, you know, between Rayleigh and Adevino, but Robertson's been, you know, what you would expect. And so it really comes down to the starting pitching of the offense. And that's not Buckshaw Walters' fault. He's not a great manager when Scherzer throws eight innings and a bad manager when he gets knocked out after three and two thirds.
1: Thank you. And a lot of it also, the roster construction then kind of tells you where the lineup construction is. Why are they using Vogelbach? Because they felt like they had to, because they put too much into what he was going to do in the lineup. The same thing we saw at the end of last year when they tried to put Darren Ruff out there 900,000 times and they felt a little bit stuck. I, I want to just follow on that because one of the things that it is not on a piece of paper that is a, is a great conversation for talk radio for years, but one that, Nobody really knows the answer to because players don't admit when they're feeling pressured because it's not a thing to do until maybe after their careers, you know, managers try and control the pressure clearly and do what Bob Melvin is. He's kind of EKG is always slow or Buck is going to do. But teams like the Mets and the Padres, and you've been in this situation running a team in New York and feeling expectations. And to be honest, Steve, with no offense to any other GM ever, probably not to this level Billy Epler is because of Steve Cohen, right? And it wasn't like at least then people would say, well, the Wilpons weren't going to spend money, so it's not Steve's problem. Now Steve Cohen doing everything. How much are the Padres and the Mets and teams of that ilk, when this happens, feeling those expectations? Can we put anything we've seen with those two teams specifically on maybe not handling this pressure and gripping the bat a bit too tight?
0: Yeah, I think I think that I think you can, uh, and I think it comes down to player leadership. And so, you know, like last year when the Padres were playing well, Manny Machado looked like a leader. But it's easy to be the leader when you're playing well and the team's playing well. When you're not, like Manny got off to a slow start, then the team didn't either. There was, you know, player leadership is really important. Player accountability is really important. And so you look at the Padres, Machado, would you would think would be a leader, but he's I think he's a leader when things are going well. Soto's not a leader on that team. He's a new guy. Tatis can't be a leader on that team. He just came back from the suspension. Cronenworth's gritty, but... He doesn't on the, on the totem pole, he does not rank above Machado. And so I don't, I just think there's something missing with regard to player leadership there, unless Machado's going well and everybody else is they their role. On the Met side of it, Lindor feels like he should be the leader, but when you're underperforming, it's really hard for you to call guys out and say, we need to do this. We need to do that. And Alonzo, Alonzo is a hype, hyped up high energy guy. But he's a guy that at times players might roll their eyes at him a little yeah, bit. He's, little hokey. You know, little hokey? he's a little, Is hokey. That a little yeah, hokey. Yeah, I think right? that's right. Yeah, he's a yeah. little naive, a little hokey. And so yeah. I don't know that he inspires. You know, now. Gary Carter was a little hokey back in the day, yeah. but he still could impact. But it was Keith Hernandez right. that was sort of you right. know pulling things right. along then. Right. And so they don't have that guy. Uh and so, you know, and and here's the thing: managers can try to be that, but on veteran teams, the manager the the manager teams can lead for a while until it over on veteran teams doesn't work. So accountability player to player accountability is far more impactful than any manager and coach accountability can be. And I think those two teams are missing something right there.
1: Steve, if you just to kind of follow on that, if we talk about what do you do as a GM when you, maybe you're overperforming what you were supposed to, if you're the Mets, you know, I was saying this to somebody yesterday You know, look, there's nothing really for them to punt necessarily outside of if a David Robertson or somebody you want it. Right. There's not there's not much for them to do. Is this a situation where they add a bullpen arm or two at the deadline? Maybe an expiring contract of an innings guy who could help at least give some innings to to take some pressure off of always needing Scherzer and Verlander to do it and not much else. Because adding and saying they're going to go for it when, if they're kind of, you know, let's say four or five out of of the wild card and five teams back the way they are now, just seems like it's going to set them even far the worst direction. But there's a pressure going back to what we just talked about, right? Where you spent all this money, you might as well dot, dot, dot. Yeah. What would you do and what do you expect them to do? If the deadline was next week and let's say situation's kind of the same in the standings, what do you expect?
0: So I expect the Mets to go for it, um, and I expect them to, you know, try to get one of the wild card spots. They're not going to catch the Braves. No. Uh, and so, but I mean, the wild card's falling back to the group right now. And so, you know, there's, there's like six teams within five games of the wild card, the third wild card. So they're all going to go for it. But I think for the Mets, you know, I, I kind of look this way when, when we went to the World Series in 2000. In 2001, we kind of staggered. You know, we just didn't. We could not get traction. We just we were, we were okay, but we just never could really get things going. And and my thought was always, I can make an addition, but unless our good players play well, I'm not going to make an addition that's going to make that kind of impact on our team. That's going to get us where we want to go. And I feel that way about the Mets and the Padres. That that you can go make a move here and there, but unless your good players play well, the guys who are you're paying the money that are there on your roster and everything else. So they need to find a way to inspire that group. They need, whether they need, and I, you know, I say this out loud, and I hate it, but you know, sometimes you need a brawl. Sometimes you need a fight to kind of pull everybody to get together And because what it does, it gets you out of that introspective, I'm not playing well, I suck, I can't perform, I can't play, I can't do this, I'm not hitting well, I'm underperforming, and it gets you into competing against the other team rooting for your teammate because we want to show them. And once you start doing that, get out of your own head, then you start to play better. And so, you know, they've got to find a way out of that. That's that confidence and success circle that once you get in and you're confident, it makes you more successful, the more successful, the more confident. The Mets and Padres are out here and they can't figure out a way how to get inside that circle to start to feel better about themselves, which will allow them to start to win a little bit more.
1: I I got two other things I want to hit you but I got to share this funny story with you just because the timing is perfect. So last night, Went on a a Mets podcast and they said and they they asked me, which I I I was not prepared to to answer because it's there's so many that come to mind. But the question was, what was the worst Met fan moment I've ever experienced? Right. Right. The one I gave them, and this is why I bring it up, because you were privy to it in a way more important way to you than it was for me when I broke a television. Was so I turned 21 on the day that Robin Ventura hit the Grand Slam single. Right. Two days later, sitting there down seven nothing, Braves. I think Piazza, it's a three run home run right to tie, I don't have to tell you. Ties it. You, 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 Benitez, Franco, and and all the hard attacks in between. And here's Kenny Rogers right. against Andrew Jones and Octavio Dotel, who I think had pitched, I don't know how much, Steve. You probably remember more than me in the two days before that, but I think could have been available and was looking dominant. And Bobby leaves Kenny Rogers out to get against Andrew Jones and he walks him. And I was describing to them yesterday just how painful that was to me. And when I when I realized at the time of this, because I knew I was going to have you on anyway, these are great things, I think, for fans to hear because we have all these moments as fans. And we never get to imagine how stressed we are with no control. There you are, no control, but way more of an important position and vantage point sitting there. What do you remember about yeah. that moment yeah. playing out?
0: Yeah, there. I, I don't know that people understand this. Like, I, I talk to Brian Kenny at, at MLB Network all the yep. time, and and like he thinks being a general manager is the greatest job ever, and I get it. And he said, I love and and. But then Dan O'Dowd and I talk to him, and we say, you don't understand the pain of this job. You don't understand <laughs> how much it physically hurts to be a general manager yeah. when you're putting a team together. They're out there playing. You have no ability to impact the game whatsoever. Uh, and guys underperform. Guys, you know, don't get the job done. They make a mistake. It is, it is agonizing. And, and making the playoffs and going to the World Series was awful. Like I don't think people are like. What do you mean? I know it was awful. There was because you you anticipate something's going to go wrong, and then when something goes right, you think, yeah, but something's going to go wrong right. on the next. And right. so you never enjoy the moment. And so, yeah, it's agonizing. Now, you know, I tried to put things in perspective pretty quickly. One, my heart breaks for a guy who's in that moment and fails. And, you know, and, I, and my thought was we wouldn't have gotten there without Kenny Rogers. But then, then the whole poker playing of the clubhouse kind of moved in on the, on the side on this one with, uh, with Bobby Bo and Ricky playing cards in the clubhouse after that game ended. So my, my attention got diverted a little bit on that one uh, at the end of it. But uh, yeah, horribly painful. Hor- like I'll never forget broadcasting a game and we're doing a Cubs game and Jim Henry, who's such a great guy. Yep. The camera pans him in the booth and he's got a bucket of popcorn and he's taking it, he throws it in his mouth, taking it, throws it in his mouth, taking it, throws it in his mouth. And I'm like, that's exactly what it's like to be a general manager. You're miserable. You don't know what to all do. All the so time. You- uh, yeah, all the time. You- it- you're always anticipating something's going to go wrong and never enjoy
1: when something goes right. You know, it, 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 it's an easy transition because I think for Angel fans, I wanted two more quickies. One is, you know, for Angel fans, I think as much as they're enjoying this Otani ride, and he's one of one that we've ever seen in sports. I mean, I always talk about it for me, Growing up, and, and really, I'm in mean, my mid-40s, my whole life, I, when people ask me who's the best athlete I ever saw, I always say Bo Jackson. I mean, that's just from living through. i never seen anything like that before. This is that times I don't even know how many because of what he's doing in this sport, but he's going to go. He's not going to be there anymore. You are always somebody, and I mean this in, in, in a way that I admire. I, I know you'd make a tough move as a GM that would not be you know loved by fans and not care if you thought it was the right thing. I know they're not going to move him. I know they can't, but is it bad for them that they're 8 over 500? We know the Angels aren't winning the World Series. Would it be better for this franchise if they were bad so that they could move Otani and let all these teams go after him just to have two months to sell him on not going to free agency?
0: Yeah, the worst thing for them is they could be, you know, going into the, the trade deadline is the third wild card or just out of the wild card, right? Now they're second, I think, right now. But yeah, but, yeah, but it's the worst thing because the, the reality is that for their franchise, the best thing to do would be to capitalize on trading Otani. And, you know, there was talk that even if they weren't going to go to the playoffs, the owner wouldn't let them do it. I'm like, that's malpractice. Like, you know, why would you do that? Especially if you're going to continue owning the team. And here's the thing. If you're not the, you're going to make the playoffs, trade them. And if you want to re-sign them, but go get the booty that you can, oh, yes. you know, the return on that. I just, I don't get it. I, I you know, and I... You know, I said back in the day that when Fernando Tatis Jr. started the season in the big leagues, that it was malpractice, and that he should have worked for two weeks in the minor leagues on his defense. Uh, so that uh, so that just, um, you know, and, and after those two weeks, I think he really would have been ready. And it just so happened one of the residual impacts of that would be you get a full another year of control over him moving forward. i I played that game because I think it's the right thing to do for the organization. Same thing, training, like training Soto last year was the right thing for the Nationals, but they weren't in it. This is a team that could be in it, but they should still trade them because they don't have the pitching to make a run in the playoffs.
1: Last thing for me, too often, and in this case with Rob Manfred, but too often when something is easy to kind of, you know, throw tomatoes at, we we do that entirely. And we don't then kind of try and look at both sides and devil's advocate. So I admit and say, clearly the pitch clock, a lot of things this year that have been done, I think are working predominantly and have been good for the game. So this is not everything Rob Manfred has done is wrong. This is not because I I think then we lose the validity of what conversation needs to be had. So here's the one I need to have when you're a GM you have to buffer for owners. You have to. I mean, I always say this. It's almost like a press secretary, like like a White House. I mean, you, no matter what is going on, you got to be out there, right? You're the one. that. So you've been in that spot to an extent where yeah. you have to have a certain tact about the way you're handling yourself. Right. To me, the comments that were made about the A's fans were just so overboard, sarcastic and egotistical and wrong And rub so many, I'm watching, I'm sure you see the same thing I see. I'm watching writers who usually don't teeter into this kind of opinion and usually stick to the sport, if you will, in terms of the minutia of all the the numbers, talking about it openly. I mean, he's getting blasted, and I think rightfully so. Just how bad is it for the league that on the way out where you know you're taking the team anyway, Steve, Rob kind of handles himself the way he did now less than a week ago?
0: Yeah, So so... You know, it's funny when I saw what he said about, right, that, that they, yeah, for the one day they got, yeah, they filled the ballpark to an average, yeah, average right. That, and that's the, qu- that's right. the comment they that got. The me. Right. Yes. So my first, I, I chuckled a little bit because I know what he was joking about, but it just didn't have to be said. And I think that probably, you know, in a calmer moment and and now on the, on the hindsight, he would probably look at it and say, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been glib, uh, and joke about it, uh, like that. And, and. You know he's a really bright guy, and so you know you have to understand sometimes the the ramifications of what your joke might be, and decide then whether or not to say it. Now, you know he at times lets passion drive him. Like you've seen sometimes in interviews, the passion that he has, he'll start to say things and doesn't always filter it on on the on the on the uh, before it gets out there. And so my my sense of it is that he probably realizes that it was a mistake going back to the. You know the hardware and the trophy comment that he said before you know the uh you know the it, it's the commissioner's trophy and and you know he, yeah. he I know he regrets that too and so yeah it just it didn't have to happen but i think that that you know what ends up being is you get defensive because when the other side meaning the Oakland community and the mayor says certain things that that people have been in negotiations it doesn't feel like it's it's completely the truth of what's going on. People get defensive and then they start to go back and forth with it. But yeah, I I, look, it's not the end of the world for the game. There's going to be hurt feelings whenever a team is leaving a city. Uh, And, you know, I don't know that anybody has to have their face rubbed in with it. Yeah. I think the commissioner would probably now say, I, it's probably not something I should have said.
1: And he, and I think what disappointed me most likely is because he is a businessman, whether you agree with everything he says or not. And he clearly is intelligent. You, you never cancel out the consumer. You, you never, you, these are fans they are going to be up for grabs to either continue to like baseball or not like, you just don't do that. So it surprised me. It uh, doesn't surprise me to enjoy the conversation. I could talk to you forever. I mean, it, I always appreciate it, buddy. It's so good to have you back on. Hope all is well, and we'll
0: do it again soon. Okay. You got it, Case. Anytime, buddy.
1: All right. Jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution. Anytime at Casey Stern on Twitter. As always, we are brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.